to another episode of All the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. And we're excited to be back with you here today. We hope you enjoyed our recent episodes. We did a preview of WrestleMania 38, and then we did a recap episode of all of our predictions, just so we could run down just how terribly, terribly wrong we were on that. (laughs) So we, we hope you enjoyed our our massive failures um, on a grand scale. Uh, And we also put out our WrestleMania 20 episode just last week. And so we're excited now to get into another historic show for you. We had a listener request from Nick. Nick asked if we would take a look back at WrestleMania 7. You may remember Nick also asked us to look at WrestleMania 8 maybe a few weeks back, which we did, and we were glad we did. So we're glad that Nick is listening and enjoying the old shows, and he's got good taste because this is actually another pretty good one. Yeah, this is a sleeper mania here, I think. I think that's a good term for it. Yeah, we had uh, watched this one for the blog and did a write up for the blog for it, and I kind of, I kind of had forgotten a bunch of it actually. So um, this was a nice surprise. This has a lot of the classic elements of WrestleMania going for it, with like the glitzy c- celebrities ringside and stuff like that, and all the big names are there in the ring and outside of the ring. So uh, it's a it's a fun one to watch, and it's an interesting one to watch too because there is some controversy with it about. It was supposed to be at the L.A. Coliseum, but they didn't sell enough tickets, so they moved it to the L.A. Sports Arena, and then they still had to give away supposedly about 6,000 seats, and when you listen to the crowd, it sounds like they went to all their kindergartens (laughs) and elementary schools and daycares and gave out these tickets, and you just see a bunch of dads and their kids in the audience that were probably sent to this by their moms get out of the house take the kids to wrestling or something yeah jesus get out of here yeah yeah there's an awful lot of shrieking in this one but you know the children are the future so or something like that i think the attitude era is being born in the audience right here so yeah this is a this is definitely a a classic this is way back from march 24th 1991 again from the los angeles memorial sports arena in los angeles california we'll talk a little bit about the change of venue too. the attendance for this one is listed at 16,158 and the tagline on this one is superstars and stripes forever very patriotic runtime on this one is three hours and 30 minutes on the dot so it's 
getting kind of long, but it's like it's sub four hours, which we always appreciate. Yeah, I mean, how else do you celebrate America? Uh, and you can't you can't do that under three hours. So it's true. You gotta you gotta stretch it out and have lots of big meaty guys beating on each other, <laughs> just like the founders intended. Exactly. So speaking of America, we start out with the one and only Willie Nelson singing "America the Beautiful." Um, he, this is my thesis, is that Willie Nelson is America's greatest living jazz singer because uh, his phrasing is impeccable. He's always like just behind the beat. He's like super cool. He's like too cool to like hit on the beat. You know, he's he's got that jazz phrasing down. Um, and I love everything that Willie Nelson has ever sung, even the like the shitty ones with Kermit the Frog. So I I was flipping out for uh, for Willie here. Yeah, this is maybe the best musical opening of all the WrestleManias. It is significantly better than the guy that opened up Saturday of WrestleMania 38. I don't know what the hell happened there, but Willie comes in and he kills it here. It's it gets you fired up and I'd imagine if this was, you know, all the grown men in 1991 sitting in that arena drinking Budweiser, thinking about the troops and tying yellow ribbons around everything, Willie Nelson just gave them a hard on. <laughs> I was going to go with brought a tear to their eye, but, um, you know, what, you know, whatever works for you. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon, yes, and Bobby Heenan, double yes, are on announcing duties here. Um, Heenan has a couple of sort of on stage roles as you know as a heel manager so whenever he's otherwise engaged there's a succession of guest commentators hacksaw jim duggan starts out the night lord alfred hayes comes in at one point and regis philbin is there for the main event with varying results i would say the first guest announcer that we get is hacksaw jim duggan he's dressed up like uncle sam i just kind of like this is after Rocky four came out. So he should know what happens to guys who dress up like uncle Sam and, and parade around like that. We remember what happened to Apollo Creed, right? Really his outfit and his like talking and stuff like that really reminded me of that Matthew Lesko guy, the there's free money. And he has like the question marks all over him, kind of dressed yeah. like a Riddler. But like for right. some reason, something with Hacksaw Jim Duggan in this getup triggered a memory of him mm. for me. And, uh, I don't know why. I, yeah. I think it's just the the suit and the and the loud talking and that Hacksaw has no future in color commentary whatsoever. No. He's here because uh, Bobby Heenan is down at the ring for the first match, which um, includes Haku and Barbarian, who are two members of his stable. So we start out with a promo with uh, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, the Rockers. They're back there with Sean Mooney. Every time now that I see Sean Mooney, I just think about Mr. Perfect yelling, shut up, Mooney, shut at up, him. Mooney. <laughs> that, guy, that guy was freaking amazing. Anything you want to say about that promo before we get to the match? Marty Jannetty is the better talker. He is. Shawn was, Michaels yeah. here. Um, but it's still a really generic promo. It's just, I'm going to come out and beat you, like kind of thing, so. Well, yeah, Janetti was far more engaging. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Team Janetti. <laughs> so the first rock, the first match here is the Rockers again: Sean Michaels and Marty Janetti versus Haku and the Barbarian with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Where do you want to start with this one? The shrieking little kids for the Rockers. Oh my god! <laughs> so many shrieking kids. I had to turn the volume on the TV down. It was so much. And it was also interesting that that crowd seemed hotter for Marty Janetti than they did for Shawn Michaels. I guess they could already smell the future coming with with uh, with Shawn Michaels here, 
that he was going to be an asshole soon. And, you know, they're right. So they got to love Marty Jannetty. Yeah, I think if Marty had killed Sean when he had the chance, he'd be out on parole by now. And just think of all the untold suffering that we would have all been saved. So Bret Hart might still be, you know, might have been wrestling into the 2000s. Wouldn't have ended up with brain damage from uh, freaking Bill Goldberg. I I really love seeing Haku here. Yeah. He looks like a such a badass. He has... He is, he's one of those guys who has a reputation for being like one of the legit toughest guys in wrestling for years and years. I don't really remember how he got teamed up with the Barbarian, who was usually with the Warlord, but the Warlord has another match coming up later, so I, I wasn't following. The Barbarian and Haku are both uh, Polynesian. The Barbarian, I think, is Samoan, and Haku is from Tonga, I believe. Uh, I think it's the other way around. Or the other way around, one or the other. Yeah. And it's really funny. I never really liked him as Haku. God, I loved him as Ming in WCW. And I I, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know if it's just the way that like WCW booked him better or something, but like I always found Haku just kind of uh eh. but like Ming, he was scary in WCW and just come out and beat the crap out of guys. And uh yeah, I just really loved him like that. No, he's a legit badass, and I, I, I think um, as much as I didn't necessarily understand why they were together, I thought he and Barbarian actually make a pretty good, yeah, impressive tag team because they're both just two absolute units. They whoop on uh, poor Marty for for a long, long time. Marty sort of plays the Ricky Morton role. He and uh, Haku do a sort of like double crossbody thing. I don't know if you caught yeah. that. Yeah, that, that was ugly. painful. Yeah, <laughs> really painful. <laughs> oh. I don't know. If, do, you, do you think that was a botch, or do you think that was planned that way? I think it was planned, but I think there was a bit more contact to it than they intended. Yeah, it was stiff. And there, um, there was definitely some ribs crashing into each other in that in that spot. Yeah, and then there's another spot where Marty sort of tries a crossbody off the second rope, but the barbarian reverses it and flips it around into a power slam. And I just wrote down, "Sweet Jesus, <laughs> he really yeah. cleans his clock." You know. Yeah, he was biting the dust on that one. Oof. And Danny Davis was doing a terrible job of keeping this match under control. I. I don't know what was going on there either, but this yeah. match breaks down a couple times into chaos. <laughs> I just remember Danny Davis from his dangerous Danny Davis thing and his his evil ref thing, and um, there was some shenanigans. I think it was involving the uh, British Bulldogs, right? Is that yeah. right? He was turning on people, and if you can't trust professional wrestling referees, who can you trust? You know, they're the backbone of society, and if it's true. They're not honest, then there's no hope for any of us. Yeah. They're the postal service of the entertainment industry. Well, I mean, the Rockers got the win here. Yeah, they so. did. There's some super impressive moves in this match, actually. Um, and it's a good sort of mix of, you know, the kind of smaller, faster guys on the Rockers. And then, of course, there's two beefcakes uh, throwing people around. So I think it's sort of a classic Rockers match, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, it looked like every other Rockers match. and yeah. But they got the win in this one. So, yeah, <laughs> they lost a lot. Yeah. All right, moving on. So we're back in the locker room. Mean Gene is there with tonight's celebrity guests. So we've got Regis Philbin. We've got Marla Maples and we've got Alex Trebek. So one, two, three out of four people in this segment are dead. Hang in there, Marla Maples. Regis, you're beautiful. That's <laughs> <laughs> line comes out of out of Mean Gene out of nowhere. And it's just delightful. Did we talk about in the blog that my theory that this is where possibly Donald Trump and Marla Maples met? Because Donald Trump's in the front row. He's in ringside for this as as just an attending member. 
uh, audience member and Marla Maples is in the show and we know that they have a relationship at some point here a little later after this. Yeah, seems entirely possible, you know. WrestleMania bringing lovers together. <laughs> yeah. It's like I had a good time with this bit actually. Regis said he's had he's had all the major stars on his show except for the earthquake because the earthquake scares him. Um yeah. and then and then uh Mean Gene says uh my very very dear close friend Alex Trebek and then Alex calls him Jim. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Suck it, Trebek. Yeah. And then they go into an Abbott and Costello bit, uh, which was yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. All right. Next up, we've got the Texas Tornado, Carrie Von Eric versus Dino Bravo, who's got Jimmy Hart in his corner. And we don't see that much of the Von Erics in the WWF. Um, they were sort of, you know, more of a territory stable right down in Texas. Um, yeah. They were running their own thing. The yeah. world championship, world-class championship wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, whole family affair. But I'm, you know, it's kind of cool to see him here. So, is this the only Von Erich on WrestleMania that we see? I'm trying to think, it might be close. Um, Carrie might pop up in one more. I have to check our notes, but yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, I'll uh, I'll check and then I'll do a special report and break in and interrupt myself talking to say that I'm horribly wrong, as I have started doing when editing these episodes. <laughs> Well, it's, it shows our integrity, you know? Yeah, you know, we'll try, try to. to. We'll try to sweep our mistakes under the rug here at all yeah. the WrestleManias. Rich was correct. Kerry Von Erich is the only Von Erich to appear in WWF and was the Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, I don't know. What what do you think? I mean, I was a huge Dino Bravo fan growing yeah. up when I was around this time period, and like I'm still shook by the day. So he's the one that premiered Earthquake in WWF. Ultimate Warrior and Dino Bravo are arguing over who's stronger because Dino Bravo claims to be the world's strongest man, and Ultimate Warrior is like, "Look at me, I'm crazy." And so they challenge each other to a push-up competition. And Jimmy Hart says, "Well, this isn't exciting enough. You should do it with somebody on your back." And so Earthquake is a plant in the audience about 3 rows back, and they pull him out of the audience. And as Ultimate Warrior gets down in the push-up pose and Earthquake goes to sit on his back, Earthquake drops down his full weight on the Ultimate Warrior, crushing him. I, w- I felt so betrayed and so angry. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good gimmick, I got to say. I like that angle a lot. So I'm, I'm not actually sure why they're, uh, why they're feuding here. Dino is, is super buffed, but he's very slow. Kerry looks like an absolute athlete. He's, he's very fast. Um, there's some good stuff, you know, he, there's some chops. There's a, Carrie does this like side suplex, uh, thing that was like really yeah. tough looking. There's a hammer from the second rope, which I always appreciate. Match was done quick. I'm not sure if it was this, uh, Dino was gasped because this is pretty much near the end of his active career. I felt like something weird happened with the ending of this match. Yeah. Carrie wraps it up with a spinning tornado, which is basically a super punch and gets the win in like three minutes and 11 seconds. And then they're off. Yeah. They're pretty much done. <laughs> Here's one of my favorite promos coming up, actually. And we I think we spent a long time talking about this on the blog. So the Warlord and Slick are backstage. Warlord is wearing like a silver, like Destro mask from G.I. Joe, except it's like clearly plastic. And he's also got this like black plastic armor that makes him look like the troopers in Spaceballs. Um, yeah, I put down that he, he looks like... Uh, 
He's in his Spaceballs bondage armor. <laughs> he looks ridiculous. And he's got a stick, like a metal rod that has a W on the top of it for, for Warlord, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Or maybe it's for maybe it's for winter. Uh for whatever. Maybe it's for whatever. I don't know where he's the warlord at, but I don't know. He's the warlord. John Carter, Warlord of Mars. So he spends a long time talking up his full Nelson, which is probably the most boring finish in pro wrestling. Um, if that were my finishing move, I certainly wouldn't talk about it. I would just kind of like, I'd be like, yeah, I wrestle after the full Nelson. Uh, Bobby Lashley's going to come beat you up now. Yeah, he can try with that weak ass full Nelson. I wouldn't go. call his full Nelson weak ass. <laughs> I think, I don't think you're going to be happy if you're placed in it by him. Well, I mean, whatever. I ain't afraid of Bobby Lashley. <laughs> Put that on the promo. Is Bobby Lashley the new warlord? <laughs> he needs to get himself some plastic armor. <laughs> then people would take him seriously. And he needs to end every promo with, we ain't found shit. <laughs> That'd be... That would be nice. And we get another promo with uh, Davy Boy Smith and Matilda the Bulldog. The pupper. Um, what a cutie with, pupper. With Mean Jean. Yeah, she's chonky. She's beautiful. I would definitely pet. Davy kind of like gets down in her face and she clearly doesn't like it. Like, no, she's not that kind of pup. It's not his dog. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stories about some of the bad shit they did to Matilda. I, I always sort of feel bad for the animals. Yeah. Pro wrestling. We're not going to dwell on the sad stuff. I hopefully Matilda got some treats. I hope so. Um, I noted that this was just like two meaty guys pounding on each other is really what this match is. It's kind of impressive because we get to see actually how fast the British Bulldog was. So like a lot of times uh dynamite kid was known as the fast one in in their tag team but like bulldog's got moves and he's he's all over the place davy boy can can hustle yeah he he's really fast and they're both incredibly strong this is this match has lots of like typical big guy moves you know there's standing elbow drops a bear hug there's a chin lock that lasts for like an hour i kept thinking that the ring was going to collapse every time they both sort of took those some of those big oh, bumps yeah. like they're they're massive they were doing a great job of getting that ring bouncing for them, which was really, really impressive. You know, Warlord gets Bulldog in the full Nelson. Oh, they yes. don't think he locks his hands. And that's always the big thing. Like, if he can lock his hands, I mean, anytime that any kind of hold is put on, it's always like, if he locks his hands, it's over with. Uh, so he couldn't lock his hands, but like British Bulldog slams his arms down really hard and it breaks the hold and it's really impressive looking. And then Bulldog gets him up in a power slam. And if you watch carefully in that power slam, Bulldog actually lets go of him and is just balancing the warlord on his shoulder while running. What? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's insane. You, you are super strong, dude. Cause like the warlord's no lightweight. <laughs> like, no, he's probably close to 300 pounds easily. Yeah. He's not throwing Ray Mysterio Jr. around here. Yeah. This is. This is another beefcake guy. Yeah, it's incredible. He takes and he takes like three, maybe four, like running steps with him yeah. up like that and then flips him over. The other move that I took note of is right before the full Nelson is the Warlord goes from standing like completely still to throwing Davy in a belly to belly like textbook with like no strain at all. Like he looks like he barely even flexed his knees. Like it, it's ah, ugh. You know, they help each other with these things, but they, they did a really great job of hiding that they were doing that. 
And that's just because both of them are so fucking strong. They can just throw each other around, no problem. Yeah, that was that's a really strong match. Actually, I enjoyed this one quite a bit. I didn't have a whole lot yeah. of expectations. Um, I did. I did remember watching it from when we wrote it up for the blog, and I remember that power slam, especially, is being just god awful impressive. So, yeah, because like they both bounce off the ring when they land. It's, yeah, <laughs> they're massive. So Davy Boy gets the win there. He tries to celebrate with Matilda. She's not really into it. I hope she got some milk bones afterwards. So, all right. Next up, we got another promo setting up the Nasty Boys versus Hart Foundation match. And so, where's a promo with the Nasty Boys and Jimmy Hart and Mean Gene? There's not a whole lot to to say. I do just noted that I just remember the Nasty Boys being so over and so huge for yeah. like ten minutes. Like, I, I feel yeah. like they were on every damn episode of um, Superstars of Wrestling. They delivered an amazing, I think it was Nobbs, delivers the amazing line of referring to the Heart Foundation as the stink and pink. <laughs> Can you say that on television? Uh, barely. Barely. <laughs> yeah. If you would have no. said stink and the pink. Yeah. No, absolutely not. But stink yeah. and pink, that's fine. I mean, I don't know if it's fine, but yeah. I also like that Jimmy Hart is wearing a matching Nasty Boys helmet. Yeah, he looks great. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a like a uh, airbrushed leather jacket on too. It's super badass. So, and then there's a heart foundation. I don't know what I don't know what they said, um, but Anvil is just he's a fucking head case like that guy. Nasty boys. That's basically all. That's a good. That's a good impression. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love him so much. Oh, all right, this is so a. Great. This is a WWF Tag Team Championship match. Speaking of freaking strong, Anvil is one of those guys, too. Like, every time you see him, I'm like, holy hell. So I don't know if there's any moments here in this particular match, but... He's got that big barrel chest. Yeah. He can can hug a refrigerator and lift it, you know? (laughs) The crowd is just going absolutely bananas through this whole thing. But it's again, it's all those little kid screams. Yeah. I noted that I think Brett ate a bit of a potato early from uh, Skaggs. Um, but, I mean, it didn't seem to affect anything. There was a weird moment, too, when, like, Sags got in the ring. Well, he, he left the ring, and then just so that he could get flipped back into the ring by Brett. So, like, you see him walk through the ropes, and then Brett walks over to the ropes and does the the phony baloney slingshot thing to, to flip him back in. But it was very clear that he only left the ring to to do that the match is a lot of brawling i mean you wouldn't that's what you would expect from the nasty boys really but again brett and anvil look at home in that kind of match too just as much as any kind of technical match and it was exciting to see uh brett and anvil do their big do that finisher where like anvil holds the guy on his lap and brett like clotheslines him at full speed it's kind of that's a great finisher yeah um, it's kind of badass what the hell was that thing called I, I know it's remember. got a I know it's got a cool name. It's, you know, like something else for the research department. The heart attack. Yeah, and Bobby Heenan mocks the shit out of Gorilla Monsoon's like scientific body part like commentary. He says uh, at one point, he goes, there's one to the servial, dervial part of your back. <laughs> <laughs> and Gorilla's like, will you stop it? So, 
No. Those are like those two are like an old married couple. I love it. Uh, I think my favorite moment for this one is when uh, Brett makes the hot tag to Anvil, and an Anvil comes in and cleans house, and he picks he just freaking picks up one of the guys and throws yeah. him at the other guy. <laughs> yeah, he just picks up knobs and throws them at Sags. Like, <laughs> is that a move? Like, are you allowed to do that? They're now the Nasty Boys are a bit smaller than what they are later in their careers. But they're still big dudes. Yeah. And like Anvil just picks them up like it's not a problem and throws them like a bag of groceries onto the counter <laughs> into, into sags. Like, <sighs> it was great. I love it. Uh, so they hit that finisher. Then, um, unfortunately, Earl Hebner gets distracted and Anvil gets brained with the megaphone. And then the Nasty Boys get the pin. And then Jimmy rolls around making out with the belt, which in one of the more uncomfortable WrestleMania moments I think I've seen in a while. Yeah, this finish was a genuine surprise. I had forgotten that the uh, Hart Foundation lose to the Nasty Boys here. And uh, actually, this is the end of the Hart Foundation. This is where Brett goes off to go solo. That's right. You're right. Well, you know, I was kind of, I thought it had to be around here because they've split up from Jimmy Hart, right? And he was their main guy. So I, I figured it must have been coming, but oh well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they did anything in kayfabe to, to break them up. Uh, I think they just... They just separated them, and Brett uh, becomes Intercontinental Champ pretty quick and stuff like that. So, because what it's SummerSlam of this year where Brett wins the title, uh, IC title from Mr. Perfect, right? The best wrestling match of all time. Yeah, we're gonna have to watch that SummerSlam here and talk about it real, real soon because that yeah. that one it's burning a hole in my pocket. I've watched it so many times. I'm I'm ready to like get into it on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, I'm I'm excited to talk about this next one. Actually, this is. Yeah. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts versus the model Rick Martell in a blindfold match. So we get a long kind of video recap of this one. And I, you know, this is, you talked one of, one of these episodes about wrestling moments that are kind of seared into your brain. Like this yeah. one, this is one for me. So Martell sprays Jake in the eyes with his like perfume atomizer thing, which is really just an insecticide sprayer that's painted like purple. The best joke about all that is that the perfume is called arrogance, <laughs> which makes me laugh. <laughs> so he sprays him in the eyes, and then Jake comes out, you know, in a series of interviews. This is all recapped on WrestleMania, where he's wearing like bandages and sunglasses. And he comes out on Brother Love's show one time. He's wearing a sweet ass Cosby sweater, and uh, he's, you know, he's he's blinded. But you know, Martell attacks him, and he he grabs Brother Love, thinking it's Martell, and like DDTs him, and his sunglasses fall off strategically, and we see his damaged eye and he's like pointing oh, at yeah. it and cursing and spitting and like i remember seeing that as a kid it just freaked me out like i really i honestly thought he was he was blinded i was, I was a dumb kid um but it's clearly now when you look at it it's like a, a foggy contact lens yeah it's such a great moment though no it's so good it's so good jake is is so great he's just such a talent and then and then he cuts a promo too right before this match after the recap and there's a great line that he says even a fool knows a man only has five senses but a snake has six we always do it best in the dark <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah that's amazing and then his theme music hits which is just so hot oh oh oh, oh. yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think you referred to it on the blog as Auditory Viagra. Yeah, it really is, especially when he, right before it, he delivers that line of like, yeah. a snake has six, we always do it best in the dark. And then and that theme hits. And he gets a huge pop, too, from the audience when yeah. his theme hits. Lots of those wives are getting lucky tonight when they're 
husbands come back from uh, you know the field trip with the forty children. Yeah, they're getting it because they're just like, "I'm Jake. You want to see my snake?" <laughs> it has six senses. Yeah, and six sides. It does it in the dark. My my dick is a hexagon. Sorry. Um, no, so so the gimmick here is that they're both going to be in blindfolds because, you know, he's blinded Jake, and, you know, therefore Martel also has to be blinded. Uh, I, I don't, it doesn't really follow, but you can see when they put the hoods on, like you can see that they can see. But yeah, the camera okay. gets a little too close, and you can see the, like, the spot in the fabric of the hood where it's a little thinner so that the, so at least Jake can see. You see that, you can very clearly see that Jake can see through it. Um, yeah. You would hope that they gave the same one to Rick Martell, but maybe not. <laughs> Although, fuck Rick Martell. Because <laughs> he, he turned on Tito Santana. Do I have to bring this up every episode? He turned on Tito Santana. <laughs> he broke up the Can-Am connection. He walked out of the ring and just left Tito there to get his ass kicked. He is a horrible human being. I hope I hope every day of his is bad. I hope it rains every time he washes his car. I hope he sits on his favorite sunglasses. Yeah, and like if Rick Martell was modern instead of like modern day, instead of an atomizer, he would totally have a vape pen, <laughs> and he would blow vape in people's faces. That's what Rick Martell would do. Yeah, this episode brought to you by vaping. It's like smoking but douchier. Vaping. <laughs> so <laughs> I I have I will so I'll admit this is one of those like gimmick matches that sounds really dumb, and it is really dumb. But you put this thing in front of a crowd especially a crowd of preschoolers or whatever they are that day. Um, and, and immediately like they get it right. They help, they're helping Jake play hot and cold basically to find Martel. Yeah. So they're like, they're going around the ring kind of strategically, you know, just barely like backing into each other. Like they're like Scooby-Doo and, and Fred or whatever. And um, there's some really great moments. I had yeah. a good time watching this. There's some good, there's some good suspense in it. My only criticism of would it be, it was like, it was maybe 30 seconds too long. Maybe one, one less collision in the ring leading to the finish would have been, would have been better, I think, personally. But uh, I really enjoyed this. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, It was, it was fun to hear and see all the crowd, like just getting into it and like really working the heat like you can see that jake is doing doing like the hot and cold but then when martell tries to do it the crowd won't help him it's so great like <laughs> the crowd the Good. crowd goes quiet like and he's getting no assistance in trying to find jake suck um, it martell and then jake crushes the atomizer after the match which is yeah. spectacularly great it's sort of a sudden thing it's kind of like he gets put into boston crab which was martell's move and he like kicks out and he like finds his way back to him he just like just kind of grabs him it's like it's like a snake striking. Yeah, it's that sixth sense. That's right. Doing just, it in the dark. And he, afterwards, he puts the snake on Martel, of course, who flips out. Um, yeah. He was, you know, being touched Classic. by Jigs. Yeah, amazing, amazing match. I had a good time. Uh, let's see, who's up next? Oh, yeah, this is The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer. Yeah. Versus Jimmy Superfly Snooker. This is The Undertaker's WrestleMania debut. Match so, number one yeah so we're not we don't even have a streak yet because we've only having one match he's um, not even the phenom yet uh gorilla monsoon calls jimmy snooker a phenom oh really at the start of this match i think that was interesting hmm. i wonder if maybe because undertaker wins this match he switches that title over to the undertaker 
Maybe. Yeah, Snook is a little bit past his prime here. Um, this is classic Western Undertaker for Rich's viewing pleasure. Ah, uh, yeah. And <laughs> the the kids in that crowd look legit scared when he comes oh, they're out. Terrified. They're like crying. It's great. I love it. And I'm pretty sure like the Undertaker triggered a lot of goth phases <laughs> for the kids in this show because they're like looking so serious and confused. At least the ones that they're showing on camera, like all of those kids probably go home and they're trying on their mom's eyeliner after after this. And like, I think I just want to wear black. Just yelling at their stepdad. You're not my dad, Greg. Get out of my room. <laughs> I want to listen to The Cure. No. Get out. I want to be sad. I want something to make Hot Topic was sad. actually founded in California right after the end of this match. Yeah. Like, they just went much. right out to the local mall and, and started Hot Topic. While it's just instantly grew chains at this <laughs> point. <laughs> nice. Well, so, I mean, so Snooka's job here is to put The Undertaker over, and that's what he does. It's a short yeah, he match. he does a great job. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. short. Snooka gets a little bit of offense in, but The Undertaker's is unrelenting. It's the old school Undertaker. He doesn't rush. Because he's already dead. He's got all the time in the world. And so he just hunts Snooka down. Um, at one point, Bobby Heenan asks, what are those gray rubber gloves for? And then there's a silence in the commentary. And then Gorilla goes, I guess he likes wearing gloves. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the best he could do? Yeah. Uh, Gorilla. The, the tombstone... <laughs> <laughs> the tombstone that Undertaker lands on Snuka too is very vicious. He gets the and so it's the old tombstone. So he like he jumps a little before landing, and you can definitely see that Snuka's head makes a little bit of contact with the mat. Snuka was probably a little dizzy after that one. That's beautiful. Well, so if you uh, haven't caught our WrestleMania 20 episode, uh, there's the return of the sort of classic Western era Undertaker at that match and um, against Kane. And we kind of flipped out over it. So take a listen back to that episode. If you're into The Undertaker and if you're into hearing Rich do his Paul Bearer impression, um, you can catch that one. Yeah, sorry. You're going to have to go download it. I'm not going to do it for you now. Yeah. Well, you don't want to overexpose it, you know? No. I guess he likes wearing gloves. (laughs) That's an amazing answer. (laughs) Amazing. You could have gone, oh, so he doesn't get the whatever fluids, you know, throw some uh, medical terms in there or... um, so he doesn't leave no. fingerprints or, or like doesn't get formaldehyde on his skin yeah. or like, you know, he's got to crack the jaws to get them smiling in their casket or something <laughs> oh, like Jesus. that. Like, no, no. I guess he likes wearing gloves. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, he's gorilla. He couldn't be brilliant all the time. So next up we've got, this is, a, this is a good one. I'm excited about this one. This is the Ultimate Warrior versus the Macho Man Randy Savage with Queen Sherry. Yeah, and the recap is spectacular. It shows the tamest part, but Sherry before this has like a very interesting confrontation with the Ultimate Warrior where she tries to seduce him. And basically through her entire talking, she slowly gets on her knees in front of him. And like gets very close to the area. I I would probably call it a fallacious pose. Um, (laughs) And so like the, the recap that they show isn't very, it doesn't really cover it. But like, if you go and watch the show that that's from, it's highly erotic and some of Sherry's best work. (laughs) Yeah. It, um, it's very suggestive. 
We talked. We've talked about this pretty much every time she shows up. Honestly, she is like a freaking treat. Like she is always working her ass off. She is always like screaming her head off and selling and just she's amazing. She's amazing. Like I, I don't know. I sort of you know when I was a kid and we would watch these, I was just kind of annoyed with her, right? But like now as I'm watching, I'm like, holy cow, this lady knew how to freaking work. And you know, there's no no exception here. Yeah. And so we also get the showing and the recap where uh, Macho Man brains the ultimate warrior at the Royal Rumble, causing Warrior to lose to Sergeant Slaughter, which will set up our main event for the show. And that hit that like Macho Man uses his scepter, that hit looked very snug if it wasn't like actual like contact. And recently I've been listening to a lot of and reading a lot of things in the wrestling world talking about just how shitty the ultimate warrior was to work with. And I couldn't help, but the wonder of like macho man really hits him <laughs> just because of, of ultimate warrior being so shitty. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe just had enough of him. Right. Just, just clock this guy in the head with a scepter. And then after the recap, the camera finds miss Elizabeth in the audience. Uh Oh, like sands through the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. Yeah, we know we know something's going to go down. So she and Macho Man have been estranged while he's been the Macho King to Sherry's Queen. Um, and so, you know, could it be? Could we see a, a reunion here? I don't right. know. Have they been estranged since WrestleMania Five at this point? Because that's when like Macho and Hogan had their big blow up over over her. I have to. I'm trying to remember the storyline, but I think that might have been. So it might. This might be like two year payoff here on this. I mean, and it's it's a big one. We'll talk about it in a second here. So I I say you know both Macho Man and and Warrior look like a million bucks. They come out in all their WrestleMania finest. Um, Warrior has his his bitchin' like duster with his face airbrushed on the back. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I'll see I mean, if I can get away with that. And he doesn't um, run to the ring either, which was kind of weird. Yeah, what that's all about. So this match is a circus, as you might expect. Um, but mm. Sherry really is the MVP. She's like, yeah, she's attacking Warrior with her high heels. He's she's raking the back. She's throwing punches. She's taking bumps. She's pounding on the apron. She's screaming her head off. She's distracting the ref. She's all doing all of this in an evening gown, shaking her ass in the camera. She's like. She's she's practically the whole show, and that you know that's yeah. saying something considering that there's Macho Man in the ring too. And yet the kids in the crowd are chanting Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. <laughs> those, fuck those kids! I know. God damn it. Um. Yeah, like Macho Man is like standing there, like he's he's a human visiting the zoo, and Ultimate Warrior is definitely acting like the gorilla behind the glass, like. <laughs> Like Macho Man is just chilling in the ring and like Warrior jumps up on the apron and he's like shaking it and bashing it. Like the dude is out of control. Um you can you can really like feel the hatred for Sherry and Macho Man and like, oh, it's just so good. Um, yeah, they were they were gigantic heels, so everybody hated those too. Um, you know, who does he think he is coming out there like a macho king? And with his queen, he turned his back on Miss Elizabeth. Um, this is, I mean, this is a solid match. Like, I, you know, Warrior, whatever. We've talked about his his limitations here, but like the way that this is all put together is really kind of impressive. Um, 
there's, I mean, the sort of coup de gras or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. So Macho goes up to the top for five flying elbows in a row yeah. um, onto a prone warrior. That's unbelievable. Like, but when he starts going up for the third one, you're like, oh man, I can't believe he's going to do this three times. And then he goes back to it and back to it. Like I was reaching yeah. for the alcohol at that point. And you can see just how fast Macho Man could climb the ropes. I feel like people don't talk about that enough. Like if you watch him climb the ropes compared to any other person now or then he's just up there. Suddenly he's just there. And like, he's, he's two steps and he's on, on the top rope. So like he just steps onto the uh, second rope and then he's got put it, put its next foot onto the top rope and he's there and he's ready to jump. And it's insane. Yeah. He Um, sprints up that bad boy. Um, I mean, he was a legit athlete, right? He was a baseball yeah. player. He's uh, he's a, he was always in amazing shape. He was at least in his WWF days. He was never like one of those guys that got so muscular or so yeah. you know out of shape that he couldn't do that kind of thing. So, I also love that whether he was heel or when he was face, Savage did the same tactics. He never <laughs> changed. It's so great. Yeah. Hold the ropes sneak things in his trunks and punch somebody run out of the ring run around grab. nope doesn't matter if he's a good guy or bad guy he's doing that stuff grab the tights don't forget to grab the tights oh yeah gotta grab the tights that's the only way he knew how to pin people yeah so this is a i mean this is a really good match um but the after party here is where it's at obviously yeah um sherry's disgusted with randy for losing and starts attacking him she's like just kicking the shit out of him with her bare feet and you can see elizabeth kind of looking on from the crowd with growing concern and of course the camera is like hovering on her so it's not like you know obviously something's going to happen right i mean this is this is a loser ends their career match this is a career match so either warrior or macho man need to retire after this um yeah, she turns on his ass and just like is beating the crap out of him in the ring. Sherry's not having it. Um, she's very disappointed after <laughs> Macho Man suffers Ultimate Warrior's dumbest finisher in professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, and Elizabeth comes down and saves him. She gets out of the audience. She can't take it. She can't see her man devastated any longer comes down to the ring and saves him chases sherry away and then we get that epic picture of macho man holding holding elizabeth up he she's just sitting on one of his shoulders like a parrot like it's <laughs> it's yeah. such an adorable scene he's got the one taped finger his hands all taped guys one finger yeah. up in the air um it's yeah it's a beautiful they show some women in the crowd are losing their shit they are like crying bawling. <laughs> It's like it's a Lifetime movie on steroids. They are crying um, and ovulating at the same time. <laughs> like they're just so they're just so worked up. All and, of their children went on to uh, own hot topics. Yeah, um, we talk a lot about Sherry, but I think we need to talk about Elizabeth just a little bit here. That Elizabeth, I don't know about you, but Elizabeth always came off to me as like an outsider. Like she wasn't really a wrestler. She was this macho man's loving caring wife and like but like just like not someone in the wrestling industry like sherry all right well she's a valet she's a wrestler like no elizabeth always just felt like macho man's wife coming down to watch him ringside to support him like she was just like an outside outside presence and that everything was completely real and i think she did a great job with that yeah she actually does some really good acting here 
Um, yeah. She doesn't really say anything. She does it kind of all with gesture. It's almost like mime, you know, like pantomime or something. Um, but she's, you know, she's all emotional. She's like trying to trying to touch him, trying to sort of soothe him. You know, after he's getting his ass kicked, he sort of like kind of throws her off. He does. He thinks it's still Sherry. I don't know why she would be touching him gently after just whooping his ass with her shoes. But, um, you know, finally he realizes it's her. And then, and the crowd is, like, <laughs> the crowd is like, was it really her? Or he's like, was it really her? And the crowd is like, yes. And then, um, no, it's, it's great. You know, and it's, the thing yeah. with, um, Elizabeth too, is that he always, you know, he sort of doted on her. He put her on his pedestal, but he also kind of treated her like shit, right? He was like super jealous. He was super possessive. Um, he always made her hold the ropes for him. So at the end of this one, he sort of pushes her back and holds the ropes for her so she can climb through. So, you know, maybe they're going to be more equal partners after this. Somehow I doubt it. It's, it's the ultimate face turn. You know, he turns, he turns completely super face after years of being heel and always at least being chauvinist, even when face like him and Hogan were both faces together, but he was still kind of a dick to Elizabeth. But now he's a changed man. He's learned his ways. Saved by the love of a good woman. Yeah. Every time. Also during this area, you can spot that super fan Vladimir. He's ringside. You can spot him ringside. Um, You know, the one that they made the documentary about that, now WWE yeah. is never going to re- be released. You can see him uh, very clearly ringside, and he is jacked. He's got super arms. He's in a <laughs> tank top. Yeah. No, that's too bad. I hope they. I hope they put that documentary out one day. I, do I like too. I like thinking about like this guy, like a like a Zelig, you know, or like a Forrest Gump, you know, just there for all these amazing moments throughout wrestling history, chasing glory, like he's a like a wrestling. Uh, what are they called? Oh, Rock groupie. stars and stuff. Groupie, like he's the wrestling groupie. Yeah, I don't think he was. You don't. You don't think uh, Vladimir was trying to fuck, do you? Like, no, but I mean, he might be their muse or something. That, like, maybe Penny, he's like Penny Lane in uh in that almost famous movie. <laughs> All right, I think we're getting way off topic here. But yeah, anyway, good match. Uh, the ladies really kind of take the show there. Elizabeth and Queen Sherry both departed now, unfortunately. Um, and both, I think, underappreciated for just the, the quality of their performances. Absolutely. So while the crowd mops up after that match and gets all their tissues together and rubs the puffs with lotion on their nose, uh, it's time for a comedy promo. So we've got The Undertaker and Paul Bearer with Regis. Um, this is a great sort of classic Undertaker promo. Did you like this one? Oh yeah, this one's this one is classic Undertaker. Like Regis is trying to interview him, but all the Undertaker is doing is measuring him and and reciting numbers to Paul Bearer, uh, like measuring his his uh, height and his uh, ch- shoulders and his arm length and stuff like that, so that he can get him get Regis ready for his coffin. Um, <laughs> I mean, is it for is it for the coffin or is it for the suit he's going to put on him to go in the coffin? It's probably for both. It's yeah. probably for both. Be honest. Um, yeah. He's a talented guy, so he's a carpenter and a tailor. Uh, this one's very memorable and always shows up in like those promos and like, yeah, no, it's fun uh, vignettes and stuff. So Regis kind of hams it up with them. He throws it to Alex. Alex is there with Demolition and Master Fuji. They scare him, and he throws it back to Regis, who's with the Japanese wrestlers who are coming up next. Um, 
they won't respond because you know the joke is they don't speak english and then Regis starts yelling like japanese car brands at them yeah it's very tasteful <laughs> they want they want to know where kathy lee is that's the only question that they can yeah ask in yeah, english that's good yeah then uh bobby heenan after that delivers the line uh we know how to take care of law and order here in la if you know what i mean yikes yeah so we we have like like all the racism happening at once here suddenly wow. at this wrestlemania um it's pretty well, it's spectacular nice to- it's nice for him to try to fit it all into like you know one little section of the show. Yeah, this this is this, this is a racist part. Enjoy, <laughs> and, a, and now a little uh, racist interlude. So, yeah. um, in case you're uh, you know wondering about that line, just just look up some things that happened in 1991 in in the Los Angeles area. Um, Wikipedia is probably a good thing to check out. Yeah, I mean it continues a little more later, but yeah, that's yeah. that's the big one right there. The other, um, there's also Jake the Snake and Damien the Python there with Alex. Um, Alex doesn't like the snake, but Damien does watch Jeopardy is what we've learned. Uh, Reptiles of the world is his favorite category. Um, I don't know if that was real. I don't, I feel like, I don't, I don't think Jake would lie to us, but um, I don't know. He's got six senses. (laughs) I'll take... People with six-sided dicks for 500 Alex. <laughs> All right. So moving on. This is a weird match. I we're, we're not entirely sure what it's doing here. I think it's so people can go pee after that Macho Man match. Um, it's Jinichiro Tenryu versus Koji Katai. Katao? I don't know. Versus Koji Katao. Katao. Katao, yeah. Versus Demolition, and this is Smash and Crush Demolition, which is inferior to Axe and Smash Demolition, um, who are here with Mr. Fuji. So we go from a really emotional high point of this WrestleMania to this. Um, yeah. So this is there's a partnership or talent exchange going on with a Japanese promotion called Super World of Sports at this time. Yeah. And so WWF is bringing some people over. They're sending some folks over there. Um, and that's kind of what, what's happening here. But it doesn't turn into much that's actually all that compelling to watch. Eventually, what's going to happen is that WWF in 19, in March, like late March, sends all their big talent over to Japan. And they have massive card um that happens there uh, we have earthquake versus koji katao i think and like um the heart foundation and marty Janetti actually have a match so the heart foundation reunite for that tour of japan um ultimate warrior fights sergeant slaughter over there too uh randy savage has a match with george takano and the Road Warriors face off against uh, Tenru and Hulk Hogan there for the main event, which sounds, oh, wow. sounds like a hell of a ass kicking. Um, but anyway, let's focus back on this match. Yeah, that might be. Um, I wonder if that's out there on the interweb somewhere. The only video I can find of it is actually some other dudes talking over it, giving it a play by play review. Um, hmm. But we probably could watch it on mute. Um, <laughs> I would be I would be moderately curious because that's some that's some interesting combinations there yeah there is some interesting and impressive things that happen in this match one crush picks up katow katow's a pretty big guy crush just picks him up like like he's just a bag of ice from 7-eleven and slams him down 
And then like Tenru also power bombs Smash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's how he gets the pin, right? Right. Is Smash that... is a huge dude, and he picks him up for a power bomb. Like, damn. But then there's also a really weird spot to where like uh Katal runs in to stop a double team while Smash is just holding Tenru over his knee, waiting for Crush to climb the ropes. And like it's just like I think Smash holds Tenru over his knee for like over a minute, just like waiting for the <laughs> spot to happen. Um He's asking him what he wants for Christmas. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I just noted down that this was a was a dud of a match, and it didn't help that it was it was smash and crush. It wasn't even smash and axe. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I looked up a little bit about the these two Japanese stars. So Tenryu was a was a big star. He was a five time yeah. national champion. He was a legit like ranked sumo wrestler. Um, he said he left the sport of sumo due to some personality clashes. You know, I think um, he had two long runs with all Japan pro wrestling from 77 to 90. And then again, from 2000 to 2004. So, you know, big, big time guy, right? Um, Katao was also a big deal in legit sumo and he left in 1990 or so to become a pro wrestler. So um, those guys, you know, come with a lot of cred. Um, I think, you know, the Japanese audiences certainly would have known them for sure. Um, but right. That doesn't, doesn't really translate. And I think again, like the, the timing is bad. You've got this huge emotional moment here. And then like, everybody's just trying to like catch their breath and cool off. And they're like, all right, I'm just going to send these gigantic guys out to smash into each other now. Yeah. This is an intermission match. Um, cause like all those long promos before it too. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think they would have called macho man versus ultimate warrior, a second main event. If there had been like the Intercontinental title on the line or something like that in that match. Yeah. Once again, Hulk Hogan's uh, ego prevents us from having a a main event that actually matters. This also left me with the question of what exactly was Demolition's gimmick supposed to be? Face paint? And leather? Like, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know. You know, bondage? Well, but they're not like sexy. They're not like sexy bondage. They're not like... Are they gimps? Um, like, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not enough all right. into all the S and um, I'm. I'm just a simple man with a six sided penis. I don't. Are they both subs? Like, is that what's what's I don't know. happening here? While they're in the leather and bonded, and I don't know. Anyways, I, I, yeah. Again, I don't know enough about the various subcultures to to venture a guess, and then I don't. I don't want to get myself canceled, so I'm not going to even no. worry about it. So we come back from intermission and the intermission match uh, to some promos leading up to this big boss man versus Mr. Perfect match. And first up is the big boss man with Mean Gene. He's got a few words for Bobby Heenan, who's hurt his mama's feelings, apparently. Um, Throws in some law enforcement stuff. He says, Mr. Perfect, stay of execution is up. And he's going to be a perfect example that crime does not pay. Whatever, cop. Oh, yeah pig <laughs> i didn't say that he's got the traitor's flag on his uniform sleeve again and that might be the georgia state flag still at this point uh um, yeah it is the georgia state flag but some of his earlier iterations of uh, wrestling gear it's just a straight up confederate flag um but now he's flying it's got the georgia georgia flag which at the time had a confederate battle flag on it yeah, they changed that in 2001 after lots and lots of upheaval. Um, so a little, you know, 
Nothing like uh, 125 years too late, but whatever. And then from there, we get uh, Bobby Heenan and Mr. Perfect with Sean Mooney. Um, Heenan calls us humanoids, which I always loved. Listen here, humanoids. <laughs> He's so great. <laughs> He's so great. He makes yeah. me like have disdain for myself every time I hear a Bobby Heenan promo. Why do you think he's wearing those gray rubber gloves? I, I guess he likes wearing gloves. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that still, so I'm still, I'm still tripping over that line <laughs> for some reason. Like me, uh, uh, Gorilla Monsoon has just says no comeback for him ever. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was in a. I mean, they worked together so amazingly, but they were also just sort of like in totally different spheres, like all the time. You know, like. It's it's a it's really interesting that they were like as good um, friends and and partners on the air as as they were um, when they're just they're so different. So it's like sometimes they're not even talking to each other. No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so this is the promo where Mister Perfect references Rodney King a couple of times. Yeah, which is a little too soon. Um, he says about the big boss man he says you won't find me on my back giving him 56 free swipes at me um and if you remember that was the number of wax that the lapd took at rodney king uh in that you know a famous unfortunate traffic stop i kind of feel like in today's culture mr perfect would be the face in this situation after saying <laughs> something like that i guess i don't know uh, it made me cringe a little bit. Telling a cop that you you're not going to hit me that many times, you know i I think that's a that's that's face stuff these days, <laughs> at least in the liberal media. Yeah. So you're saying Mr. Perfect was uh, was ahead of the curve on the defund the police thing? Is that what you're, that uh, what you're he, saying? He could have been. I think I think that's a very good possibility here. He'd be Kurt A C A B Penning now. <laughs> That'd be. <laughs> That'd be his gimmick. I don't know. So the, he ends that promo, though, by saying, I am what I say I am, which is a, an amazing line, um, but also yikes. Yeah. He's Mr. Perfect. That's all you need to know. And then when they, they they come out, they come out to the ring, and, like, Boss Man is so over. And it's very uncomfortable that it's a crowd full of people in L.A. waving foam nightsticks. That's weird. It's, it's not it's, good. It's so weird and uncomfortable, uh, especially to watch it nowadays. But like, even then, I'd imagine it was kind of weird because like, you just watch Rodney King, and you got like, you got the police LAPD on trial, and kind of like the police everywhere on trial, and you got just people waving foam nightsticks around. So, read the room, man. Read the room. It's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember boss man being like so over back then and I, I still don't understand. It. I didn't understand, understand it then. And I don't really understand it now, but um, yeah. So this is big boss man, Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect has Bobby Heenan. This is for the WWF intercontinental championship. Um, these guys, they start out by spitting in each other's face. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, they're, it's ugly right from the very start. So yeah. And uh, boss man wipes his ass with Mister Perfect's towel and throws it back at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then Kurt takes a powder. He he ducks out of the ring, but boss man follows him and gives him a slap and like flips him head over teacups. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. 
Yeah, Mr. Perfect always knew exactly when to oversell a shot to help put the other guy over. And that one, that's one of them. Like, Bossman finally gets his hands on Perfect and just lays into him with one big shot and Perfect just flips himself over from it. It's amazing. Yeah. Unlike um, some other people we can mention, like Shawn Michaels, who just oversells all the time for everything and sucks. Gratuitous <laughs> shot at Shawn Michaels there. Nobody was asking for it. It was out of nowhere. <clears throat> I don't out care. Of nowhere. I don't care. I need to work it into the conversation. So <laughs> there, there's some actually some really good moves here, mostly on the part of uh, Mr. Yeah. Perfect. Um, it's uh, maybe a little bit overdone on you know some of the selling, but it's really it's incredible. There's a shot where he rams Perfect's head into the turnbuckle, and Mr. Perfect like bounces up and upside down again. And yeah, I mean, he's doing so a good many... job of making Bossman look strong and very, very powerful. And this might have been the best boss, big Bossman match that we've seen, but it's not necessarily because of him, but the work that Mr. Perfect is putting in to help him. Bossman pulls off his belt and starts whipping Mr. Perfect with it, and the ref does nothing. <laughs> he sees nothing. And it's like, like not the first time that we've seen that in wrestling, right? Like Hulk Hogan would sometimes pull off his belt to whip his opponent. Uh, Cody Rhodes too. But like, why is that? Is is that legal? I don't know. It's, um, if it is, uh... why aren't all wrestlers wearing belts to the ring <laughs> and just they're just turning them into strap matches? And like, I don't, I don't get it. It's a good question. I don't know. It's fair. Um, so the big the big oh shit moment for this match comes when Andre shows up. Um, he's he's pissed at Heenan. Um, yeah, he, he comes, comes out shuffling down to the shuffling ring. Shuffling down, yeah. He stalks him around the ring at like two and a half miles an hour. He's like it's so slow. But you you know what's really interesting is when he comes out, as soon as he comes out, like the fans are only watching Andre. Like there's all kinds of stuff going on in the ring, but like yeah. everyone's head is turned and watching Andre. Yeah, we miss a solid third of this match because the camera is also following Andre the entire time. God knows what Mr. Perfect and Bossman are doing. There could have been like a like a massive frog splash happening in the ring or like something crazy, but we have no idea because Andre is just hogging the attention and <laughs> deservedly so because it's Andre the Giant and we yeah. hadn't seen him for a while. There's some uh, some curt moves in there. They're like the lost minutes of the Watergate tapes, right? And the Nixon tapes. So it's just everybody's just it's out there somewhere, right? But this one kind of breaks down into chaos. So it ends in a schmaz. Um, Bossman almost gets the pin, and then Barbarian and Haku are also in in Heenan's stable come in and interfere. Um, but at least Andre gets to drag Kurt out and and beat him up outside the ring. Um, there's yeah. Andre's laying kind of into him hard, heavy duty blows on the, on the perfect there. And, but it keeps Mr. Perfect from also losing to, um, big boss man by pin because in boss man's promo it makes a big deal out of having beaten everybody in Heenan's stable, except for Mr. Perfect and Mr. Perfect's the last one he needed to do. And he gets denied that. Yeah, that's an exciting end to that one, actually. So Boss Man kind of follows Andre up the aisle afterwards, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen? But he, like, just kind of spins him around, and then and then they shake hands. And um, yeah, I guess they're 
just two gigantic friends after that. That moment really gave you an idea of just how freaking big Andre the Giant was. Because, like, Big Boss Man's a big guy. Yeah. And there's Andre, and, like, Big Boss Man is, like, bending his neck at a 90-degree angle up to try and talk to Andre. And it's, it's like a child talking to Daddy. Like, <laughs> it's... yeah. You can tell actually it's kind of a, a nice little moment because you can tell it kind of like means um, maybe a lot to to Ray, you know, Big Boss Man, because he um yeah he he would have like sort of been the generation after Andre, right? So he would have been like a guy that he watched, and you know, yeah. there he is getting to work with him, which is cool. He's actually still kind of young. Like I remember hearing Cornette talk about how quickly Ray just shot up from being Big Bubba and the and the and like the bodyguard for Jim Cornette in in uh nwa to suddenly just over big time somehow as the big boss man just out of nowhere it was a meteoric rise of him but then it it kind of plateaued at this point so see all it took was slapping that traitor's flag on his arm and then um you know white people just flipped for it well i mean this was like the time period that like everything southern was cool right yeah. like we had we had come out of trucker culture being awesome and phased <laughs> into just general southern culture yeah uh, dukes of hazard right i kind of wish trucker culture would come back no you don't not today's trucker culture well yeah probably not (laughs) probably not i'm I'm just thinking more of like the talking on the cbs and dodging smoky you know calling out speed traps yeah is that still a thing i don't know uh google maps does it you can report speed traps on google maps (laughs) so google maps is into trucker culture these days that's what you're saying yes nice all right, there's um, time for the obligatory celebrity, in quotes, guests at the ringside. Um, there's a certain former president there who looks like a pile of garbage. The other guests ringside are Chuck Norris, Henry Winkler, and Lou Ferrigno. Henry Winkler is super glad that the Ultimate Warrior won. He seems to be having a great time. Yeah. Um, Ferrigno love- seemed like he was ready to beat the crap out of everybody. Like, he's ready <laughs> to get in the ring, call it out, do it. I love that guy. He's the hero of Pumping Iron, and Arnold is definitely the heel of that movie, if you haven't watched it lately. Oh, yeah. It's been a while, but I, I do have some memories of some things to it. Yeah. And um, that certain president is, like, begging to have WrestleMania come back to Atlantic City to be in his venue on the boardwalk. Chuck Norris is just name-dropping, just, just naming random people. <laughs> yeah, the Fonz is super happy that the Ultimate Warrior won. Henry Winkler's into it. We just started watching Barry. Have you watched that show? No. It's got the dude from SNL. I'm not going to remember his name right at the moment because I'm terrible at this. Um, who's a hitman and he moves out to, uh, he goes out to LA for a job and ends up oh, in, an yeah. act, in an acting class that's run by Henry Winkler, who is friggin' incredible. So uh, you would like it because I know you're a big Henry Winkler fan. Yeah, I enjoyed him in that. Um, what was that? I can't remember the name of it now. That reality show that was like him and uh, William Shatner and Terry Bradshaw uh, oh, yeah. going to like <laughs> god awful vacations. Yeah, yeah, that show was very entertaining. He's a um, mensch. Bill Hader is the uh, yeah, main actor in Barry. That's it. So um, anyway, um, he was also great in Children's Hospital. I don't know if you ever watched that weird yeah. show on uh, show's Cartoon nuts. Network. Yeah. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. All right, next up, we've got Earthquake with Jimmy Hart versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. Um, one of my personal faves, but obviously he's it's not going to go well for him here. No, uh, Greg Valentine's basically going to be a jobber in this match. 
but Greg does does throw some nasty looking punches in this match. He's just laying into Earthquake, but it it doesn't have any uh, phase on him. Yeah, he goes with those elbows that were always so good, but he still can't crack that melon. I I wrote that uh, Earthquake's rumble music at the start is so it's still so good. Yeah, um, it's not quite you know Undertaker jaw dropping, but it's it's a lot of fun. This is part of Earthquake's uh, meteoric rise to challenge Hogan, right? Yeah, he went through like a just monster heel run. Yeah. Um, he just like squashed basically everybody. Um, he he picks Greg up like a bag of sugar and just like power slams him. Like he just doesn't it yeah. doesn't even look like it phases him. Yeah, there was so. no effort to it. It was just boom, <laughs> boom, boom. There you go. Put him down. Hammer um goes into a, an ill advised attempt to put the figure four on, but like Earthquake's legs <laughs> are like the size of tree trunks. So there's there's no way. Um, Earthquake did do a really great slow back bump. Like he like sells really well that like Greg is slowly working him down. The hammer's going to get him and this is like chopping away at him. And it's a really convincing like monster moment for him. I thought that was a really great, uh, sequence of events of like the hammer pounding away, bouncing off the ropes into him and stuff like that. Uh, trying to get Earthquake down and finally does, but it didn't matter. Greg probably has got like four broken ribs after this match after after taking that earthquake finisher yeah r.i.p greg sternum i'll have to ask him about a sternum if we get to see him at celebrity fest in a couple of weeks the other thing i wanted to note here is in april of 1991 we you know we had talked about the two japanese stars uh before this um tenryu and, and katao and some people know that john tenta actually was a honest to God, sumo wrestler for a little bit um, before he went into professional wrestling. And so he went over for a super world of sports program um, to Japan and he was supposed to face Katao and they sort of were not really working with each other. Nobody, they wouldn't sell each other's shots. Um, And so afterwards, Katao um, grabs the mic, kicks the referee gets disqualified and grabs the mic and starts just shooting on the earthquake and on the audience telling him that, um, you know, John Tenta can never beat him for real and that wrestling is fake. And, um, and the other wrestlers all kind of kind of grab him and take the mic away from him and actually led to Katow being fired from super world of sport. sounds like a crazy, I don't know if there's video out there or not, but I would, there has to be a video of that. Yeah. There has to be something on YouTube showing that. Uh, I need to see that immediately. <laughs> That's great. It's crazy. So, all right. So next up, we've got the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, formerly known as the Road Warriors, of course, versus Power and Glory, which is Paul Roma and Hercules, with Slick as their manager. Hercules is a stalwart of the first, I don't know, half dozen, seven or eight uh, WrestleManias. He's he's in every one of them, never doing anything particularly interesting, but they, but he's there, so... What do you think? It was very interesting to see a squash tag match. Uh, The Road Warriors beat the shit out of power and glory, basically. Animal catches Paul Roma in midair off the ropes and turns it into a power slam and then picks him up and hoists him into the doomsday device. Like, just an all-out magnificent display of strength out of Animal. A hawk neutralizes a double team at the very start of the match. The whole thing about this match was that like power and glory cost the the Legion of Doom a chance at the titles or something like that at this pay-per-view. Wow, look at them, one, having tag team storylines. That's something we don't see today. 
No. And then you have this payoff match of the Road Warriors, sorry, Legion of Doom. Uh, <laughs> Come on, man. Running over power and glory, just fucking destroying them. And I couldn't be happier to see it happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, Hawk and Ant, they're just so damn strong. Like, and we noted that in the uh, Chi-Town Rumble show and, and some other clips we watched of them, like just beating the holy hell out of people in tag team matches. Um so yeah, no, that one's real quick. Um, it makes a lot of sense for it to be quick. I'm glad it's here, but you also there's not much to see. Yeah, because it is fun to see the Legion of Doom work a real match, but it's also fun just to see them beat the shit out of some people, especially Hercules. <laughs> yeah. We, I don't know. Nothing against Hercules, you know, he's um he's not with us anymore. You know, I was just, I was not a huge Hercules fan, but um but man, they were they were insistent on pushing him at this time and making him making sure that we all saw him on all seven of the first WrestleManias. Alrighty. Next up is Virgil with Rowdy Rowdy Piper in his corner versus the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. This was a fantastic feud back in the day. You guys remember that Virgil was Ted's uh, valet. You know, he was sort of his manservant. Um, he kind of got treated like crap most of the time and finally Virgil has had enough and he's going to get Rowdy Rowdy Piper to help him beat it out of Ted. This is really the peak of Virgil's WWF career. This is it for him. Uh, nothing really comes of him after this and it's kind of sad. And eventually it leads to him meeting me at the Arundel Mills mall. <laughs> Man, how far he's fallen helping a guy run a baseball card table during a trade show that was happening at the mall. I didn't even realize that he was there. There was no real advertisement and I didn't know that there was a trade show going on. I was just there to like buy some new shoes or something. And I walked by this card table. I was like, Hey, you're Virgil, aren't you? <laughs> He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> we talked for like five minutes and, was he cool? Yeah, he was pretty cool. And then took off. I didn't get an autograph. I didn't. I don't think I got an autograph. I didn't get anything. Just yeah, I talked to Virgil for a couple minutes and then went off to buy my shoes. So it wasn't even like come meet Virgil. It was like, hey, Virgil was helping me sell my baseball card stash. Yeah, I feel like that. Like the guy hired Virgil to be like a draw to the table thing, but like I don't. I guess you needed to already be like following or knowing of that card store to know that Virgil was going to be there doing it. So uh, just happened to walk by and say, Hey, you're Virgil. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah. He's um super ripped here and he, he can actually work. All right. He's, he was uh, in and around wrestling for quite a long time before he sort of got that kind of big thing with Ted DiBiase, you know? And of course he just basically stood there in a, glittery sleeveless suit for i don't know two years it seemed like a long time yeah there was a that was a really really long story with him and then we get a meh match out of it which is sad like there's yeah. no dibiase wins this by count out uh so there's no payoff to it um the match is slow um Virgil is throwing like these weird, like Muhammad Ali esque, like dancing, punching, and it's just like 
the only thing I could think of was like, well, that's where Shane McMahon learned how to throw his <laughs> ring punches. Oh no. Yeah. Ted bumps like crazy for him. He like, yeah. He's just slapping himself all over the ring. Um, yeah. And it's kind of weird too, that like, this is like Virgil, like breaking free, but he actually doesn't come to the ring until he's called to the ring by Piper and has no theme music. So it's not like he's like has his own identity. It's just another white guy is now calling him down to the ring instead of Ted DiBiase. So it kind of still felt weird. Yeah. I'm not sure. I wasn't sure what to think about this match either. You know, in theory, it could have been really good. So Ted DiBiase is, you know, we've talked about this before. He's an amazing worker. You know, he's, he came out of Georgia championship wrestling. He was, just really incredible, um, very polished, very, uh, you know, a, a long tenured veteran. Um, and he's just, he's got all of the, he's got it all down, right? Um, Virgil is, you know, again, he's, he, he holds his own here, I'd say. Um, Heenan makes a funny comment that says, Virgil looks like George Foreman on Nutrisystem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's during his uh, sort of fake boxing moves. Yeah. Um, Piper kind of gets involved here. There's one moment that I really kind of liked where uh, Piper's on the outside and he reaches up with his crutch and pulls the rope down so that Ted flips over the top rope. I thought that was actually a pretty creative spot. Yeah. And then after the match, like Piper ends up like laying like down and like, he's not letting anybody help him up. And then Virgil has to get on the microphone and is like yells at Piper to stop feeling sorry for himself and to get up get up it doesn't matter that you're whatever's broken or whatever just get up and and piper gets up (laughs) (laughs) thus leading to mike virgil jones's uh career as a motivational speaker at the arundel mills mall i do enjoy his twitter and his obsession with the olive gardens breadsticks and meat sauce yes Um, i don't i don't know if it's a work or if he's like legit crazy i don't know that i really care i just i'm glad that it exists um, I, my one more thought about this is: is this whole thing to make us think that Piper's not a big old racist? Um, because he's like hanging out with a black guy here. Because like he's had some problematic moments with uh, black superstars going way back. It's possible, and especially when uh, I don't know if you remember from that table for three episode with him and uh, Paul Orndorf, he talks about how one he was already catching shit then for doing that blackface half blackface thing against bad news Brown in that promo. But then also apparently they switched the uh, makeup remover with something else that made it semi-permanent on his face. And he had to walk around for several days. <laughs> oh no. With a half black face. That's not good. No. Well, that'll teach him. So there's another one of these weird, like just, shoved in matches here we've noted this in a few wrestlemanias we've got the mountie with jimmy hart versus tito santana america's national treasure um this makes me a little bit depressed because tito is buried way down in this car in this kind of weird spot um and it's there's just i don't know there's some botches here and it just doesn't really go anywhere and it's not really meant to it's just sort of like i don't know it's just to fill the time um Give everybody one last pee break before the main event. I'm not sure what is, what's happening here. Yeah, I don't know if this was supposed to be a little bit more. Because I think I talked about it in the blog that there's like some nasty botches and they just want to. And so they just try to wrap it up and someone might be hurt or something. Uh, that it didn't feel like a real, the real ending. 
but really the only thing I could think about the entire time was like, why would a Royal Canadian mounted police officer carry a cattle prod? (laughs) I thought Canada was so much more civilized than here. I don't understand it. Why, why is a cattle prod like his thing? And why did we just accept it back then? That was like, Oh, well, he's a Canadian Mountie. Of course he has a a cattle prod. Well, you don't know what they get up to up there. You know, there's moose, there's, um, Sasquatches, uh, they have, they gotta be ready for anything. Yeah. I mean, at least, at least it's, it's red. And so it matches his uniform. Maybe that's why we just openly accepted it, but it really makes no sense. Like, I don't believe any law enforcement except for maybe a Texas Ranger would carry a cattle prod. Um, but yeah. <laughs> My other question is what took them so long to get big boss man and the Mountie into a feud because you've got two cops you've got american and canadian you've got red and blue all the elements are there you know this is a it's a classic um and here here he is wasting tito santana's time yeah and then they just pay it off with a four-on-four tag gimmick match so yeah and then but yeah they just bury tito santana here which if you can't tell, has really depressed me. <laughs> we love Tito Santana. Tito, call us. You're welcome on the show anytime. Absolutely. You're our favorite. You're just welcome at my house anytime. You <laughs> don't even need to come on the show. Just come hang out. I got a I got a Nintendo Switch. We'll have fun. Yeah. Rich has a nice house. He's got a uh, nice little patio. You'll you'll have a good time. All right. Let's stop being weird. Get to the main event. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Who's fighting Sergeant Slaughter? Sergeant Slaughter has General Adnan in his corner. This is the WWF Championship match. This is also going to decide the future of peace in the Middle East. Alex Trebek is our guest ring announcer. Uh, Regis Philbin is our guest commentator. Marla Maples is our guest timekeeper. So clearly, we're pulling out all the stops. Both Hogan and Slaughter cut promos before this, and both of them have genius lines. Slaughter keeps calling people pukamaniacs. <laughs> nice. I just love that phrase so much. Yeah, pukamaniacs. Oh, so good. And then Hogan ends his promo with Slaughter will be a victim of Twilight's last creaming. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, how did I miss that? I feel like I would have written that down if I had heard it. Yeah, he like does like the whole by dawn's early light and like and then Slaughter will be a victim of Twilight's last creaming. Like it's nasty. It's kind of <laughs> it's it's not witty at all. No, but it's a fun twist on the words anyway. It doesn't make any sense. He, yeah. it, it, like he's going to cream him, right? Like he's going to beat him up. Like I'm going to cream that guy, but that's it's uh hmm, hmm okay. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, mm. <laughs> mm. I'm a little confused. There's there's a kid in the front row who has a like a dot matrix printout that says Hawkamania lives, which I really liked. Um, it's in color, so that means he probably used colored pencils because um, I don't think they had colored dot matrix printers. I don't remember them anyway. Um, they were extremely expensive, uh, so yeah, he totally just colored that in for himself. And I hope that thing is on eBay for a thousand dollars. That's because <laughs> oh, that's that's a beautiful relic of the time it's uh, hulkamania sign printed on dot matrix uh feeder paper 
it's it's beautiful it's a thing of beauty yeah and you have video evidence to prove that it's real you know right uh, so this would be a good time to talk about sergeant slaughter's history in the wwf it's like a mandela effect of people having these fond memories of sergeant slaughter being a great good guy and american hero and slaughter really wasn't that in wwf and seems people have just forgotten and so like he's even at wrestlemania 20 which we just reviewed uh, the Hall of Fame ceremony that he's inducted, uh, they introduce him as Sergeant Slaughter, American hero. So that's that's not the truth. Uh, Slaughter is probably the second biggest heel in WWF history, generating heat compared to the Iron Sheik. Um, so this was Slaughter's third run in the WWF. So his first run, uh, he was a heel and was pursuing Bob Backlund and was, he was big time. And then he left and then he came back in 1984 uh, going after Bob Backlund again. Uh, but then he did turn face briefly to pursue the Iron Sheik. But Hulk Hogan was chosen to be the top face over top of Sergeant Slaughter at the time. And so uh, Slaughter actually hit the road not being willing to be second billing to Hulk Hogan on the face thing. Supposedly there was also some sort of disagreement uh, that Vince was keeping Sergeant Slaughter from participating in the GI Joe cartoon and toy line that also pushed Slaughter out the door so he could pursue that, which I think is smart because I mean, that's, that's a paycheck until the end of time. Yeah. Now Um, that I, that I definitely have read and heard before. Um, and that was, yeah, that was brilliant because he was on a freaking Saturday morning cartoon and those action figures and, and all the play sets and stuff. I'm, sh- I'm sure he still gets money from that stuff. Oh, absolutely. He has to be. And if he hadn't done that, he would have just been buried underneath Hulk Hogan because all the faces were just buried under Hulk Hogan. Right. And so this is his, this is his third return to WWF. And he's an Iraqi sympathizer. And even after losing this match, him and Hogan continue to go at it. And then eventually he 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 comes back to to uh, being an American. Uh, but he never really has a face turn here or anything like that. Um, so for the uh, large majority of Sergeant Slaughter's time in WWF on screen in the ring, he's a heel. And he's anti-American because, uh, I mean, Bob Backlund was Mr. America, boy next door, uh, good guy wrestler. He's put up against Hulk Hogan here. And then he had a brief uh, thing with the Iron Sheik, but he lost, you know, to the Iron Sheik and only so that Hogan can beat the Iron Sheik. So people have this fake memory of Sergeant Slaughter being the good guy. And it's just it's kind of crazy to me and we even we saw it like put on full display at wrestlemania 20 and even now if you follow his twitter he's calling his followers maggots and stuff like that which is (laughs) (laughs) you know so he's he he's a heel and people just won't accept it at this point they don't want to remember it they're too young to remember him in the ring they might only remember him in the cartoon where he was obviously on gi joe side and not on a cobra 
Right. I And I kind of think that's honestly, that's where people's sort of memories are, are sort of fixed uh, on him as a hero, right? As like a heroic soldier. Yeah, no, that's really interesting stuff. Thanks for digging that up. I'm actually just looking at the WWE's sort of bio of Sergeant Slaughter, where they call him a former U.S. Marine who proudly served his country, which I am almost certain is not the case. Robert Remus is his real name, of course. I may even need to... Let's let's do Wikipedia here. Is this a... a the gimmick of Slaughter is that he was a U.S. Marine who fought in Vietnam. Right. Yeah, his his Wikipedia makes no mention of his actual military service. Yeah, I always thought that was the case, actually. So it's interesting that the even their bio now, like... Well, they got to maintain the gimmick. It's a work. I guess, but it presents it as a, as a fact. It says it was not until six... This is reading from WWE.com slash superstars slash Sergeant Slaughter. It was not until six years after his professional debut that Remus decided to incorporate his status as a United States Marine Corps veteran and debut in WWE in 1980 as the brutal bullying drill instructor Sergeant Slaughter who referred to his outmatched opponents as scum, slime, and maggots. So there is an article from the Marine Corps Times from 2020 calling him out. It says, The man behind pro wrestling legend Sergeant Slaughter tells stories of combat tours in Vietnam, but he never served. Oh, man. So this is fascinating. You know, this is like, so WWE has largely given up on kayfabe. You know, like they really, they sort of openly say, you know, well, these are, performers these are performing a role they're you know sometimes they call them they call them superstars right they don't call them wrestlers anymore but um they usually don't call them actors but in a sense that's they're sort of admitting that that's what it is you know they're characters um but here they're sort of presenting this as if it were a real thing so but even here though it says in less than one year with wwe so this would have been 1980 1981, slaughter was doing battle with legends like bruno san martino who's a face pedro morales i don't was Pedro a face? Probably. Pat Patterson and even Andre the Giant. Um, so he was definitely healing it up back then. Um, he wrestled Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in the NWA for the U.S. Championship in 81. Another face. Um, so, yeah, you're 100% correct. Like, it's fascinating, though. Like I said, I think yeah. the power of that cartoon and that action figure and that image is really what has kind of fixed him as a, as a hero. Yeah, so here's here's uh, an excerpt from that Marine Corps Times article. In early 2019, on the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts radio show on Sirius XM, the 71-year-old Remus, decked out in camouflage, his Smokey the Bear cover adorned with a sparkly gold band, regaled his hosts about his two Marine combat tours in Vietnam before he started wrestling. What did you do over there? Co-host Jim Norton asked near the beginning of the February 18th, 2019 segment. I was basically just infantry, you know, just making sure all the grunts didn't AWOL on us. Keep them all in line, Remus said. Were you messed up when you came back? Norton asked. A lot of people, it took a while to shake it off. Well, we didn't really talk about it much, Remus answered. We weren't acknowledged as being heroes or anything like that, so we never talked about it, and there's some, a lot of bad experiences, and did a lot of things I normally wouldn't have done unless I was ordered to do it. But Remus never served in the Marine Corps, according to government records. That's fascinating. So not even just, it's like, oh yeah, I was a military guy, 
but like kind of making up stories about it. That's that's strange. Yeah, so he's basically being accused of stolen valor, and like then here's something here. Uh, the uh, founder of SoCal Uncensored California Wrestling News site uh, that it looks bad, especially since WWE uses him for veterans' events. So yeah, this is. <laughs> Uh, All right, Deep it's dive. a one hundred percent gimmick. <laughs> there's a there's that quote from I think it's Nathaniel Hawthorne who says, "No man can wear one face to himself and another to the world without finally getting bewildered as to which is which." Um, I'm probably bastardizing that a little bit, but maybe you know maybe that's the case. He's been the Sarge for so long; he's not even sure anymore. What is it when the legend becomes fact? Print the legend. <laughs> yeah. Trading all the good quotes over here. Look at us. A couple yeah. of literary literary studs. So, um, We're librarians. Wanna... <laughs> <laughs> we do research on the air. <laughs> <clears throat> this is... so I cited my sources. This is going to be the least popular episode we've ever done. Nah, Nick's going to love it. Just, <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, we were doing this for Nick. Nick, we sure hope you love Sergeant Slaughter research. Um, if not... <laughs> You know, skip skip this a little bit. Um, so anything, what what this match? Um, it, this match is it's twenty minutes, which is too long for a Hulk Hogan match. Um, does uh, Sergeant Slaughter does a lot of sort of the typical heel? He does the Ric Flair kind of begging on his knees thing. Um, they're in and out of the ring. There's some choking with TV cables. He gets Hogan in a Boston Crab that goes on forever. There's Hogan gets some color at, at one point, does that spazzing thing that we've talked about, <laughs> makes us a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, finally, the Hawk up, of course. Slaughter's really bad at swinging the chair. It's, it looks so bad. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate this match as much as the first time I watched it, but I mean, it is American nationalism in a microcosm here. And the crowd is this fucking nuts. It's so high pitched still. Like, and this, it's, it's taken to 11 at this point. It's because Hulk Hogan's now out, um, which is basically what everybody's just been waiting for at this point. The high-pitched squealing is actually Chuck Norris in the front row. That's, yeah, it's it's possible. That's um, the sound he makes when he gets excited. Regis makes a really great point, actually, on commentary. He points out that Hogan isn't grabbing the ropes to get out of the Boston Crab, <laughs> even though he's like right there. Right there, yeah. I guess it's part of the storytelling where where America doesn't just take the easy way out. He's got to muscle out of it. He's got to show his strength to get out. And like Slaughter tries to pin Hogan with the Iraqi flag between them at one point. And that triggers Hogan's uh, hook up. And he starts, he tears the Iraqi flag to, sh- to shreds. And then it's three punches, a big boot and leg drop. He gets some serious air on that leg drop. Yeah. Um, that's a he. He was propelled by the spirit of America into the air, and the crowd loses its damn mind. And then, of course, we go into the obligatory pose down. A um, little bit more blood than usual on the pose down, but that wraps up nicely. And democracy is safe once again. After you know a match that probably lasted longer than the ground war in Iraq <laughs> on this first try, mm-hmm. yeah. I did have some questions. Uh, how does a back rake hurt? <laughs> I think it, it would actually, feel good. Right. It looks like something that would like, oh, thank you. Yeah, that helped loosen up the loosen up my deltoids a little bit. Thank you. I felt good. That spot has been itchy since nineteen eighty four. Can you do it again, Hulk? Like <laughs> but he does it he does it all the time. Don't they sell stuff at Sharper Image that's like just for that sort of thing? I know. <laughs> like Brookstone sells chairs that does it. <laughs> 
All these years, you should have just had Hulk Hogan come to your house and take care of it for you. I know. This match is a cartoon. It's not real. It's... <laughs> there's... Like, Slaughter doesn't do anything. Hogan doesn't do anything. But yet, it's 20 minutes. And I can't sit here and tell you a single real thing that happened except for the Boston Crab that Hogan doesn't use the ropes to get out of. Uh, Slaughter uses a chair at some point, and it's it's not a good chair swing at all. Like, it's not convincing. It's no rock on Ken Shamrock, that's for sure. <laughs> oh my, there is no chair shot like that chair <laughs> shot. That's, um, the gold, that's the gold standard. Yeah, that's the platinum standard. Like <laughs> With diamonds. But uh, it is it is spectacular at the ending when Gorilla Monsoon announces that the war is now officially over. <laughs> yeah. He ends it. Thank We're God, waiting Gorilla. for Gorilla Monsoon to call the end to hostilities. But little did they know that like Slaughter and Hogan would keep fighting for like another like six months, and they would go on to have like Desert Star matches. They would call them. They're basically no holds barred matches, but. And then uh, Bobby Heenan announces that he'll still have his party, his celebratory party Tuesday night, even though Slaughter didn't win. Uh, yeah. And Gorilla <laughs> just tells him, who cares? And then that's the end of the show. <laughs> There's a funny bit about uh, Re- him inviting Regis to that one. And Regis is like, I'm busy Tuesday night. <laughs> it happens earlier in the match. All right. So I think democracy is safe once again. So are we ready to uh, pick our best and worst for this one? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'll go first while you think about it. How's that? My best match is Macho Man versus the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Um, for a number of reasons. There's, I mean, so Randy Savage is, is working his ass off there. Um, Sherry is the MVP of the entire WrestleMania for her performance in that match. There's five, five, count them, five flying elbows in a row from the Macho Man. This match is a symphony uh, and a soap opera all wrapped up into one. So that's my pick. Yeah, I think that's going to be my pick too. Um, and it's it's 10 times the, a more compelling story than Hogan Slaughter. There's a lot more on the line. Um, it's not just a showcase match. It's a, There's story here and there is storytelling. And everything that can happen in a wrestling match happens in this match. And it's really it's really all on the genius of Macho Man. And Sherry. What's your uh, worst match for this one? I'm really divided between Dino Bravo versus Texas Tornado and Tito Santana versus the Mountie. And I think I'm going to have to go with Dino Bravo versus Texas Tornado just because it was it was it was a sloppy match and it was over before it began. And it was this weird and wasn't a good showing for Von Eric and WWF. And it wasn't a good showing of what Dino Bravo can do. You know, meanwhile, I think that really the Tito Santana Mountie thing should have been a promo and like a a backstage jump instead of any kind of actual real in ring action. Um, And so that's why I think I'm going to go with Dino Bravo versus Texas Tornado being the uh, being the worst match. Yeah, that's a that's a good pick. That's a respectable pick. I can't pick the Tito Santana one just because it has Tito Santana in it and, you know. Uh, I'm going to actually pick the sort of the filler match right after the Macho Man match with uh, Demolition versus the two Japanese guys while they they fully expect half of the crowd to be in the concession stand lines. Um, it's just kind of, I mean, I get that you need filler sometimes, but it's just, there's nothing there. 
my oh shit moment for this one is Randy's five flying elbows in a row. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. So like he goes up twice. You're like, oh, that's a good touch. You know, he's going to hit his finisher a second time. And then he like runs up those ropes again and then again and then again. And like the elbows, they just keep coming and they're, they're, st- they're all beautiful. You know, they're none of, they don't get sloppy. Uh, no. They're all perfectly executed. And <laughs> so I just, I said, oh shit. Several, I may have said it three or four times actually. That's a good pick. I mean, because I mean, Macho Man's a freaking maniac. Um, I think I have uh, two oh shit moments. They're kind of tied. And like the first one is Andre showing up, Andre rolling out um, and just steamrolling and chasing Heenan and eventually catching Mr. Perfect and pounding on him. Um, I love anytime Andre the Giant shows up. I love Andre. And then for him to show up like this, it was spectacular because I don't think anybody was legitimately expecting Andre to come out at that point to um, confront anybody. Um, But then my second one, Twilight's Last Creaming. (laughs) Hogan got me with that one. Oh my god yeah uh, it, gets, it gets funnier every time you say it, i actually. know i know listen here brother you're uh, going to be a victim of twilight's last creaming sweet jesus <laughs> oh man all right let's let's move on let's um i don't have anything else to say um so what's your overall rating for this one you know, I like this one a little bit more than the last time we watched it, but it's still it's still not good enough to to move up just because it felt like every match except for Macho Man versus Warrior could have been a little bit better, if that makes sense. Like Perfect and Boss Man could have been a bit better. Demolition versus those Japanese guys uh definitely could have been better. You know, like some of the some of the best moments and memorable moments out of this mat out of this whole WrestleMania is like the promos, right? Undertaker measuring Regis for his uh, burial suit and coffin. The puka maniacs and Twilight's Last Creaming and... Stop, stop saying that. <laughs> Twilight's Last Creaming. Um, and then there's the Twilight's Last Creaming. But yeah, and the stink in the pink. <laughs> promo from the Nasty Boys. like it's And uh, even a full... Knows a man only has five senses, but a snake has six. We always do it best in the dark. Like the best, the best stuff is happening outside of the ring in this in this WrestleMania. The more you talk, the filthier this WrestleMania sounds. Honestly, <laughs> Sherry in the fallacious pose. <laughs> honestly, it could have just been like a one-hour episode of like superstars of just all these promos killing you instead of any of these matches because in legitimately the only match that people really remember out of this one is macho man versus ultimate warrior because it's probably ultimate warriors best match and then um slaughter and hogan and that's just because slaughter is such a heel that it makes this match memorable not the actual action in the match because the match is kind of even on hulk hogan standards so i think i'm gonna lean towards like a three like it's a little bit better than halfway but it's you know it's it's problematic just because also like the celebrities in this one are are b-list guys at this point so (laughs) yeah um 
so I when I when we did this for the blog, I gave this a four point five. I don't know what I was smoking. I must have been caught up in the. You love Willie Nelson, so I do love Willie Nelson. <laughs> I was caught up in the um, patriotism and the the Twilight's Last Creaming. Clearly, um, so the things that I like about it is that you know the Gulf War stuff is a really interesting time capsule, right? If you ask somebody to kind of describe what was going on during that Persian Gulf War. You know, I very re- clearly remember my eighth grade history teacher kind of talking to us about it. And we would pull, um, we would bring in newspapers and kind of talk about what's going on. And it was, it was very, you know, rah-rah USA. It was like, um, so that, that is, it's interesting. It doesn't make for good wrestling necessarily, but it's, as a cultural artifact, it's, it's useful. Yeah. There's some, there's some excellent, there's a, well, not some, there's a couple of excellent matches, um, Macho and Warrior, um, the squash with earthquake makes sense and even lets hammer show off a little bit. Uh, you know, I love Greg, the hammer, that emotional reunion with Elizabeth, the MVP performance from Sherry, Mr. Perfect working his ass off a surprise, Andre, the giant appearance, um, Jake versus Martel. I, I kind of liked, um, the cons for this one are that the pace is just really, oddball it kind of like it peaks early at that intermission point with macho man and then never really recovers uh that the dumb sort of underwhelming main event a bad match for tito the demolition intermission match um so yeah i'm definitely not in the 4.5 neighborhood like i was then um, that was that was peak pandemic. I had been home for a long time. We were um, just happy to see something. Yeah, <laughs> you could have shown me anything on TV. I would, oh yeah, absolutely, four point five out of five. Um, I would. I think three is actually fair. But I'm glad that we went back and revisited it. It was definitely worth rewatching. So thanks again to Nick for suggesting it. Uh, again, if you want to reach out to us, it's allthewrestlemanias.com. You can find us on Twitter at WrestleMania Pod. You can send us an email at allthewrestlemanias at gmail.com. And uh, I did want to mention here before we wrap up that the theme music for this episode is our special retro 8-bit version that Rich has been hard at work on since we did going back to the 90s here. We thought it'd be nice to have a retro theme to go along with it. So nice work on that to Rich. Um, You can send us a comment. Let us know if you like it. We've got a couple of other versions in the can. So, you know, stay tuned. We also have a YouTube channel and we always upload our variations on our theme song to the youtube channel so just look for all the wrestlemanias you can find it you can listen can leave us a comment rich would really appreciate it so all right the last thing that we want to do as always is we pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen in that wrestlemania who are no longer with us so our in memoriam segment for this wrestlemania includes andre the giant animal from legion of doom paul bearer big boss man Dino Bravo, Crush of Demolition, Earthquake John Tenta, Howard Finkel, Lord Alfred Hayes, Hawk from Legion of Doom, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Hercules, Koji Katow, Joey Morello, who is Gorilla Monsoon's son, who is a referee in this WrestleMania, Queen Sherry Martell, MVP of this WrestleMania, Miss Elizabeth, Gorilla Monsoon, Mr. Fuji, Mr. Perfect Kirk Hennig, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, Mean Gene Okerlund, Regis Philbin, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, Randy Macho Man Savage, British Bulldog Baby Boy Smith, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, The Texas Tornado, Carrie Von Eric, Alex Trebek, 
and the Ultimate Warrior. So thanks once again for joining us today on all the WrestleManias. I am your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. Say until long, everybody. Thank you.